Don't be afraid of being something more. It improves posture. You're searching to be more, you're searching to learn more, you're searching to do more. It's a call to action. It's a call for ownership. A means to really live, whatever that means to you. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome to episode, we're not going to name the episodes anymore, but we are in a different environment. We have about 50 people just staring into our brains right now. You, um, did, you did one while I was away, though. Yeah, we right? did. So yeah, this yeah. is seven. No, this is eight. Eight? Yeah, this is eight. So today we're going to... philosophy is at 30-something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so the flow is going to be a little bit different today. Um, we we want to get through... Uh, we're, not, we're not doing a radar, so we're not talking about what's happening in, in the world uh, to kick this thing off. Um, the conversation that we're going to have is, is around what we've changed our mind on, and it's that, that idea. James, I think you actually discussed this earlier, the scraping idea. Yeah. Right? From from like a from a personal standpoint though, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, James, you've been doing fitness or you've been in this fitness world for twenty five plus years. It's like after scraping everything over the past twenty five years, what have you changed your mind on or, or where have you landed? Um, just not asking that quite yet. So mm -hmm. we're gonna go through that uh, one by one, starting off with James, and then we wanna bring everyone into the conversation. So what we'll do after we roll through this, um, I'm not going to put a time frame on it because I always blow it when I say we're going to be quick. Uh, so I won't say that. Emma just pointed at me. Um, so we'll get through this conversation. And then what we'll do is we'll have you guys come up, right? So um, we, we didn't really think this through. Uh, let's go hand up. Hand, the mic. hand up. And then we'll, we'll give you the like, come up. And then it's going to come behind, uh, behind Jacob. We'll, we'll give you the mic and uh, just add your thoughts ask a question that we can jam on for a little bit and let's just uh let's have a natural conversation with uh in a very unnatural environment uh, I, I with feel pretty good on. i don't know that's pretty good that's pretty good i'm looking at austin with his blanket on i'm jealous of your blanket <laughs> <laughs> but but um yeah are you guys good good yeah. to get rolling yeah for sure all right let's start with uh with james so the question is or the the thought is uh after scraping everything over the past 25 years where are you today? What have, where, what have you changed your mind on or, or you know, what's your perspective? Yeah, um, we discussed it prior to this and uh, I was pretty quick on knowing what I've changed my mind on um, and it's still that same thing, but I just wanted to add to it that uh, I think, you know, in another 10 years, I probably, you know, it may be somewhat different and uh, maybe 10 years ago also, it was somewhat different. Um, because I remember speaking about that early on in CCP of my original story of saying things like uh, I've been through like uh, five iterations of when I thought I knew everything, you know, and I really did think I, I knew everything. And so just imagine if you go through that a number of times, you know, I've changed my mind a lot. Um, I probably haven't been the best at, uh, it's probably just my, my essence at uh, like owing up to the fact that I was wrong or that you know I'm ready to change things, but I think maybe that's just maturity over time. Anyways, what I've changed my mind on is uh, the concept of dependency um, into freedom. And uh, yeah, uh, it because and when I said when I say that and when I when I like I knew that was it right away. It's what plays on my mind. Uh, all the time now, and I can't get it out of my mind. Because um, I, I, and I, do you think it's because it's, it's been my career, you know? And uh, yeah, just seeing so much, uh, so much dependency and not enough freedom. So I have changed my mind on the concept of them. What, yeah. what does dependency look like, James? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the person is not free. That's the other, so the person who's, who's learning the information or getting something, uh, information, program, you know, some kind of knowledge, uh, they're not free. They, you know, it, it, they are actually, like me being a part of the process, um, they, they relied on me and I was necessary for them to, to do what they wanted to do in fitness. Right, so they were dependent on me. And I guess dependent in the case that there wasn't the true sense of learning. Yeah, and that's, you know, over time. 
you know, I've seen it on a whole too for, for fitness and not just in my, in my practices. So maybe flip side, what does freedom look like? Yeah, it's, uh, it's nothing, you know, I just want to take a second to make sure it's anything different than what I normally speak about, but uh, I don't think it is. I think um, it is that of which I speak, which is the concept of an autonomous free mover. Um, and that's an individual who um, just goes out there every day and physically challenges themselves and discovers things. And uh, they're not depending on another human being or a specific system to allow them to do that. And um, that's, what fr that's, a, that's someone who's free, in my opinion. When, when did you find that for yourself? Because, I mean, obviously yeah. this is a personal anecdote. You changed your mind yeah. on it. When, when, well, two questions. Sorry, James. When did you change your mind on it? And uh, when did you feel like you were living up to that? that principle that, that you changed your mind to? Yeah, good question. I'm top of mind because I just asked it on the podcast two days ago. So uh, it's always been there. I actually did, luckily enough for your question and the person who asked, um, it was uh, Dave Durante and um, the Power Monkey uh, group. Uh, yeah, I have always done things on my own. I, I did a calculation of that. I was also that kid who did extra hockey practices um, I was the kid who did things with no instruction uh, to get better at other people in the sport I was the one of the first people I'll lay claim to this but you can go back in 2004 on com and see that I was the only person that was doing pre and post uh, activities around CrossFit and so you know a lot of people thought that was you know Thought I, I thought more of myself, oh, look at that guy, you know, I can do an extra. It's just that I wanted to be people, and I wanted to be better. But that was my, I did that, right? I did that. No one coached me in that. Um, now, Greg Glassman was the coach. I just followed what the orders were on it. Uh, prior to that, uh, I did, I signed up for Toughest Calgarian Alive, right? And I came third. Um, I did that. I won the Western Canada um, cross-country championships. I won that. That was me. No one coached me in that. Anyways, I could go through this over and over for 20 years, and I've had some ideas along the way. So it's been, it's been in me, like in my, in my thing for a while. Um, but then as I started coaching coaches and seeing... Um, you know, the, the, the people in front of me and the concept of dependency set a different way of, you know, relationship building and care and helping. Uh, as you know, I just got exhausted over time. You know, I, I, stuff you see that you're like, yeah, but that's your day-to-day -day actions, James. You know, so why can't, why can't those around you? And then I just started, you know, the reason why I was exhaustion, I started to see how deep I was into what I had built, and it, it was uh, it was abyss. It was the abyss. <laughs> it was it was the dark darkness. Right? It's like wow, that's you went really hard on that dependency. Yet your actions personally have been autonomous this whole time. So maybe the past couple of years, through language or teaching other people, mm -hmm. that's where like really like oh, you can't let this go any longer. Yeah. So you haven't really you haven't really changed your mind on it. It's just more top of mind today than it was ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the yes, that's okay. right. It's like way up here, yep. whereas you know it was it was there. Yep. Awesome, Georgia. Yeah. Am I up? Uh. Yeah. All right. I'll take, take this mic take from one. James. So uh, my piece is the notion that something doesn't have to be hard to be worthy and. There's really obvious connotations to fitness in this, right? And like everyone in this room as a CCP coach understands the idea of reward the pacer and you've got to go slow and long to earn the right to go fast. And there's values in the low days as well as the high days and getting outside and walking is just as good as a hard session in the gym. Like I think we're all really bought into that idea, but I think it's more than just fitness, right? It's more than just like what we actually do in exercise uh, that... I see in this idea and that's evolved in me. 
And uh, like on a personal level, I'm someone that like, if you dangle a carrot, I'm, I'm gonna go for that carrot, right? I really like things to be outside of my comfort zone. And I think everyone's probably familiar with that, uh, like that little graphic that's like the circle that says like your comfort zone. And then uh, there's a little like, arrow pointing out that says like where the magic happens. I used to feel like I had to live in that zone of where the magic happens all the time if I was to move forward and make progress and ultimately be worthy as, as a human being, right? And it's really easy to go down the rabbit hole of that in fitness and to think, again, I've got to be pursuing things that are hard. I've got to be, you know, burnt out at the end of every single workout. I've got to be getting stronger. I've got to, you know, be pushing the envelope there and really get caught up in that grind. But, but it was more than that, right? Like in my fitness, yes, really obviously I've made the transition from high intensity all the time into let's take a more balanced approach. But in other areas, right, nutrition and lifestyle is a really obvious place this plays out for me where I thought that was always a friction point and always would be. That in order to be healthy, quote unquote, you had to be pursuing some new diet or protocol or like working on some little like hack or tweak and that that's just normal to want to do that all the time. Um, but if the last like 10 years or so of being a fitness coach and really working on myself and on with other people on their fitness practices have taught me anything, it's that like, yeah, it's normal that there's some friction point and some challenge in that area when you are creating healthy habits and behaviors, but over time, it should be easy. And like, it's actually a really wonderful, amazing, beautiful thing. If you get to the point and you wake up every day and in certain aspects of your life, like what you eat or when you go to bed or the decision to go on a post-lunch walk, that these little things are just like, they're not hard at all. Like they're just part of who you are and what you do. So that's another area outside of just exercise where I've really changed I don't want to say my thinking because I don't think I ever woke up like, you know, in my early 20s and was like, I have to make my life harder if I want to be better. But it was how I played out, you know, my day to day in my actions uh, in relationships. Right. Like I used to think that the fun and the like thriving and the enjoyment of relationships was in the friction and the challenge and that, you know, that was something that you wanted to strive for. And I'll, I'll give my husband who's sitting here in the, in the middle uh, operating the camera some credit. He taught me that the greatest relationships are actually really easy and that for sure you can't take him for granted and be complacent and you gotta you know, pour into the other person and they have to pour into you, but it should feel comfortable. Like it's okay to feel supported all the time. Uh, it's okay not to feel like you're you know, constantly butting heads with people and getting excitement and cortisol and adrenaline from that process. Same thing in, in a career sense, right? Like in, in a professional environment, you, it's good to be challenged. It's good to wanna work outside of your comfort zone. I still think there's great value in that sometimes, but it doesn't have to be all the, all the time. And I think working on this team has really taught me that yeah, it's great to work hard. It's great to like push yourself. But I think outcome for us is not doing more work or doing harder work or doing faster work. It's really trying to make sure what we're putting out into the universe is quality and is having a positive impact on people's lives. So that's my long rant to say. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> it's like this yeah, never went, guy talks, right? You Tony this Robbins on these people here. <laughs> End of day. Girl, we got to set you up in the morning time <laughs> to like at least get something out for a half hour. To, that shit was good. Thank that you, That shit was good. I have a question though. <laughs> yeah. Um, where does that come from? Uh, burnout. I mean. No, no, no. Where does it come from? The, you, uh, the, the having to go in life, having to go go hard to get uh to get some benefit yeah i my question was connected to that too so let me okay. just add on like what is the trigger and when that trigger pops up for you now how are you how are you navigating it yeah i i don't want to say like anyone ever put this on me because i think i put it on myself uh, and it's easy to like label myself as a type a type personality right like that's just who i am but I don't know if that's something that's intrinsic that you're born with or if it is something you learn from your environment. I'm really not sure. It's probably some interaction of the two things. I grew up in a super supportive household with parents that like put the idea on me of if you want to go after something and you want to achieve it, you can. And so I applied that from a very, very, very early age and had a very obvious feedback loop where I'd try hard, 
I'd have success and I'd feel worthy because of that, right? And my sense of worthiness was tied to that feedback loop of getting that positive reinforcement from my family and others around me. And I, I think I relied on that for that like dopamine hit, right? So I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's good to feel supported. I think, it, again, it's good to be challenged. If we don't challenge ourselves, we don't adapt, we die. But you gotta at some point acknowledge when it is causing you harm and you can't seek that out all the time. Does that answer the question? Yeah, well, no, I think still? you're honest when you say where that comes from. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And how, how do you navigate it? Yeah, I think I'm just aware of it. <laughs> I'm aware of it, but it absolutely does. I mean, I compete in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, I, I love challenge. Uh, I love, I very much could see myself being someone in working in corporate America, trying to climb the ladder, just like loving and enjoying that thrill. But gosh, I think it is just awareness and like calling myself out on my bullshit when it does pop up uh, and really understanding, like, is this, again, is this a momentary, like, adrenaline hit is it like looking at your Instagram comments and seeing some nice comments and the feeling that comes from that that quickly disappears or is it actually something that I'm going to remember in five or ten or twenty years from now you got some no I don't have no nope, I'm good you sure yeah yeah I'm Georgian I already talked about this no I'm kidding okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're up then oh am I up yeah um, change your mind yeah change my mind I don't think that or uh, let me let me say that a different way. I think that whenever we change our mind in something, we're not doing it in that thing independently. Um, and because I've you know when we when we started having this conversation, I thought really hard about it. And the the thing that I said like almost immediately was like influence or reason or what's the point, right? Um, and that's not just in fitness. That's like uh, and, and I like I told these guys it's like don't worry, I'm not suicidal. Like, what's the point of living? Not, not that um, exactly, but um, when we change our mind and like life as we go through experiences, as we build new relationships, as we, as we have kids, as we uh, see the world a little bit differently, um, I think that has a downstream effect on everything. So the, the like reason and the why and what's the point, uh, what, what are the influencers that are going into my brain that are leading to my thoughts and in, in fitness and exercise and nutrition and lifestyle and all of that. Um, there's been some really clear examples of, of people that have had influence experiences that have had influence, so on and so forth. But the thing that like is just deep down there, as I really think about it, it's this, it's this idea of just, uh, always thinking that I have to be extremely analytical and anything that I do. It's this feeling that I always have to be extremely precise in anything that I do. And like, it's gonna take me a lifetime to work that idea out, um, but it's perfection, right? And it's, it's, not, it's not one of those things where it's like, I look in the mirror and I gotta look a certain way and if I don't look that way, I'm, I'm really stressed out. It's not that, but it's like, for something to be worthy for me, like there has to be like a really deep rooted reason for well, it to be worthy. I feel like you're an operator. Worthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, in execution, you you always put forth excellence. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, thank you, really. But I guess, you know, what, what I've changed my mind on, it's I changed my mind on that whole idea of, like, we have to have a very analytical approach to everything, and there has to be, um, I'm going to kind of say something differently in our chat tomorrow, and I'll, I'll make it really clear where I'm coming from. Uh, tomorrow uh, when we give our presentation, but we don't always have to have extremely clear data-driven outcomes that come from everything that we do. And that's that's how I approach fitness forever, right? Like I think back, you know, to the stories of like, you know, the 13-year-old the uh, me and the reasons why I did fitness. It was just like, you know, I need to move this thing. I need to get better at this. I need to get better at that. The 17-year-old, oh, I need to be the best football player I can possibly be. The 22-year-old, same idea. The 26-year-old, I need to be a really good operator in the military and stuff like that. The 28-year-old, I need to be a really good competitor and hold on to that stuff. And then like the 29, 30 to 35-year-old was just like, I just do it because I've always done it. Like I really had no reason as to why I did it. The 36-year-old me, um, so that's me today, it's like I'm doing it because I have to do it, right? So 
I guess that was a really long drawn out story as to like, you know, I changed my mind on what the reason why I do it um, is, right? And it's like, I have to do it and I have to be an example and I have to practice what I preach and I have to preach what I practice and, and all of that stuff. So um, yeah, again, that's a very long drawn out way, but I wanted to give some backstory to like the analytical approach and you know where that comes from because I think James might ask me that question so let me get ahead of that uh where that comes from it just it comes from fear right where it's just like you know if I if I prepare I kind of said it after Sam's piece it's like if you don't pay attention to something it's probably going to go wrong or it's going to go a way that you don't want it to go so you know there's like this aspect of control there's this aspect of understanding exactly where you are at every point there's this aspect of like over knowing and because you over know you can always control and all that so um yeah i changed my mind on that and how i approach my own fitness and how i talk to my family about fitness and how i talk to my friends and my neighbors and, and all of that about fitness yeah that's not what i was going to ask you about but uh i want to touch on your language of have to could you clarify what you mean by that yeah, I mean, if I were to if I were to lay out a, you know, uh, my definition of what does not what does fitness mean to me, not what not what vitality means to me, but uh, what health means to me, um, fitness is a part of that, right? So, I would be I'd be turning my back on everything that I believed if I didn't do it, right? So since I believe those things, I have to do it. Like I have to practice it. Um, you know, no one's holding a gun to my head and saying, Hey, if you don't do this, you know, this thing is going to happen to you. Um, but because those are deep rooted, like beliefs that are like in my belly, um, I have to do it. Like there's no other, there's no other option. There's no other choice. Um, and there's not, there's nothing connected to that outside of just doing it. Um, you know, what I talked about, like analytical and data and all that, that's no longer connected to it. It's, it's enough for me to just do the thing every single day now. Yeah, you, uh, the, the last part of your piece, I understood. The first part, though, I still sense that um, the intentions are uh, doing fitness for other reasons. I'm not sure if anyone else is feeling that, but that's where I'm, I'm just trying to dig in on the, the have to aspect. Yeah, yeah just, just look at it as, I, I don't feel that way, but look at it as, uh, like, I, I believe it's something that I have to do to be healthy, vital, to be an example. Um, Got it. Yeah, so that's where the have to comes yeah. from. Yeah, and you do know you don't have to do it to be healthy and vital. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't know what you mean by that. Um, so it depends upon the definition of fitness. Maybe. But yeah, maybe we define fitness, yeah. right? So l yeah. let me so say you, fitness. You could walk yeah. every day. Yeah. And you could lift some stones, and mm -hmm. you could be a really fucking good person for the rest of your life, and never be inside of a gym, and uh, be an unbelievable father. And you, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so, so I guess that's that. the definition of fitness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just brings up the, not for Carl, but anyone who says that unconsciously, that's the EBGBs. That's the st stuff that gets me like, oof. Because you're not Carl, because he's explained it, but you're, you're, you're caught. You're, you're caught in the system, and you're not, uh, you need to open your eyes a little bit. And those words, hopefully, from someone else said a different way, you can catch someone in that. I feel like a good litmus test for this is what we're doing next week, right? We're going on a staff retreat uh, for the good half of next week. So we'll all be uh, hanging out in San Diego, which is going to be a fun time. Wish you could all join us. <laughs> Not you, James. No. No. Sorry. We're leaving you behind. Anyway, the, uh, the kids are going to San Diego. But I, uh, there was a point in my life where if I were going away for a week or so without like having an access to a gym like every day and being able to work out every day and like stick with my, my routine, I'd be freaked out by that. I'd be like, I got to find the closest place I can drop in and do the CrossFit class and blah, -de blah, -de blah. But now we, we talked about, we're going to go on some team hikes. Maybe we'll do a little beach workout, go for a swim, do some movement. Maybe we'll get a lift in. Maybe we won't. Right. But it's not going to like define anyone's experience of that trip. We're still going to get movement in, but it doesn't have to be attached to working out. And I feel like you could, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Carl, but you could probably continue on your life like that, figure out creative ways to continue to move, and that would probably check that box of, I have to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where I was coming from, and, 
you know, we'll go through seasons. I think we all go through seasons of, you know, what does, what does that, what fires you up, what lights you up. Uh, I know James jokingly said uh, the snatchers earlier. Um, <laughs> we got yeah, to, to be, we got to create a spoof on body snatchers. Yeah, seriously. Um, no, you know, if we're being honest, it's like, you know, two years ago, I enjoyed doing that, right? Like I was a, my name is Carl and I used to be a snatcher. No, um, yeah, so yeah, that, that lit me up a couple of years ago. That these days, it, it doesn't. Um, next year, something different that I'm not doing right now might light me up. Um, but but kind of what I was getting at is just doing it, right? And doing it, you said it, James, it's like you can go on a walk and lift some stones. That That's doing it. Um, to me, it's just, you know, moving your body on a daily basis. Uh, it's that's That is important to me now. It's always been important to me, but it's different. The reason why it's important is just different. I guess that's kind of the, the bow on it of like what I've changed my mind on. It's the, it's the why and uh, doing it for, for other reasons. Yeah, it went from performance to not, to not reduce it just for language, but it went from performance into what I would say right now, you're in a discovery period. That's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean I'm right. It's just that's how my language helps me. No, with I'd, it. I'd agree with you on okay. that. I disagree with you on the other one, but I'll agree with you on that one. Am I up? Yep. So uh, I have changed my perspective from goal-oriented or you know specific time-based outcome-oriented fitness to just fitness for life. And uh, not that I don't have goals or don't use time-based milestones as like extrinsic motivation, uh, but I would still be doing the things that I'm doing every day, regardless of if I was using that as a motivator or not. I just enjoy the process of like being hyped up in some way about something. I'm sure James will have a thought on that. But uh, yeah, that's how I've changed my mind. I, I grew up kind of uh, in competitive cheerleading and uh, bodybuilding, so more aesthetic-based sports and then went into strength sports. And I think psychologically made that um, evaluation in my head, like, oh, if, if I'm shifting from an aesthetic goal to a performance goal, that's better uh, or more mature of me uh, and thought that that would be like a suitable way to shift my perspective or my areas of motivation. I'm going to chase down this like attempt of three sets of 10 pull-ups. I'm going to go after powerlifting and move my big three uh, lifts in that direction. And that seemed more honorable than uh, wanting to be on stage half naked in a bikini. Uh, so I justified that. Uh, but th that was very much still the same, being in the same place. The reason I was getting up and getting in the gym every day was to improve my performance in that specific, um, for that specific skill, acquire a new skill, and or you know, get ready for a, a particular competition instead of just getting up and moving every day because that's what I need and deserve, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm so typecast. People think they know what I'm going to ask. Again, you're wrong. That's not what I'm going to ask. Uh, but the, uh, I'm, I'm glad you uh, picked up the language we talked about, though, because you can see already in a couple of days, based upon what we said, uh, where you were on the Zoom, we were in the room talking about it, that um, you're, moving, yeah, you're moving from goal-oriented outcomes to exercise for the sake of it. And that's a really uh, admirable journey. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to commend you on you know, seeing that in yourself and taking the steps. Can't leave it at that, though. Um, you know, the, the uh, next... Hey, I know. I'm, yeah, a, I'm no, still I over here shredding my, for the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't going to go there, but you, you started it. Um, <laughs> no, the, the next steps is, uh, is, is more than that. It's, uh, it's, you know, not being afraid of autonomy, right? And, and even saying to yourself and to others who are in that position... What's my largest fear uh, when I do get free, right? Um, read Eric Fromm's book. Um, uh, it's called The Fear of Freedom. And it's a really wonderful detailed description as to how people can, can see their, their, you know, the deepest aspects of, uh, like, you, you'd think, like, people being free, that's really good. But uh, a lot of people are really scared of being free. And because uh, what, what comes with freedom, they think, is uh, uncertainty. And uh, like, you know, a lot of people choose to think a certain way, like in beliefs or faith, because of that. Because they really are scared that they're going to be uncertain about some things. Mm -hmm. So I, I would ask you and just to challenge you outside of that, the next steps are, are those pieces of autonomy 
like just say, okay, if I was to do this on my own, what is my initial fears when I start doing that? It doesn't mean you have to do it, but to help you, hope that helps you on your... Yeah, I appreciate that. And I guess you could say I'm kind of in a training wheel to freedom. Uh, Carl is my coach in full disclosure, so I'm sure he has thoughts around my evolution. But, um, you know, he gives me a lot of uh, freedom and control within context from a program design perspective, and I enjoy that. Um, but I, there is that thing there where I still want that form of accountability or that open dialogue or that place to check in and make sure that I, you know, that I am on track with really prioritizing the things that I say are important to me versus just living those out in values without the, maybe the, the training wheels of that uh, accountability. Yeah, I like that. And this is not for you, but if you hear that same answer from other people outside of this room, uh, that's people that you heard from Melissa earlier. They're doing it still for the wrong reasons. So they'll use words like accountability that you just heard there. I honestly believe you like I do normally when you say things. Um, I do believe there's some honesty in that. But they'll say that, but really they're still doing it for the wrong reasons, whether they're trying to improve someone else or live up to a coach's expectations of that. And that is another example where they're scared to have the leash removed, but they'll use things that sound good like accountability to stay a part of the process. So in that, and that, you know, and in today's day and age, you know, uh, like I always say, your truest intentions are shown when you don't tell anyone what you're doing or you show no one what you're doing. And if you can show me that, that's an indication someone has truest intentions behind physical challenges for the, for the sake of it. And I hope you, yeah, you understand it. on the back end of it, I'm using just your language as a, it's gotten, I, I believe you. So your training wheels, that's awesome. That's great. Training wheels of freedom. Ooh. Really good. Thank you, Candace. Want to learn more about the Live a Larger Life Show? Visit livealargerlifeshow.com to learn more about our mission, meet our hosts, browse past episodes, and more. Want me, uh, me to hand this over to Jacob so that anyone steps up behind him? Uh, yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's take a second here and yeah, that was that almost felt like uh, we all needed to be laying down on a couch. It was a little counseling. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where that started. Like George's was really upbeat. James's yours was fine. I think that I I kind of brought the energy down. I apologize. Um, <laughs> Let's, uh, does anyone have any thoughts or questions? It doesn't have to be a question, but does anyone have any thoughts? If you do, let's just, yeah, let's just swing it up here and then Emma will give you the mic just so uh, everyone can hear you guys. Hi, I went through um, CCP in, during COVID. I don't even know, it was a July one. And I was hesitant because it's not cheap. And you know, I didn't know if I could invest the time that was required and I'm challenged. Uh, techni technologically challenged. Anyways, I went through it, loved every second of it, um, and it changed my mindset towards fitness. I was a CrossFit coach, a group coach, um, and you know, like you said, you just can't unlearn what you learn. So, you know, it drove me crazy trying to individualize each CrossFit athlete's uh, form <laughs> as they were working out and then slowly over time I just became the personal coach or personal trainer at the gym which you know I loved and thrived at um, but you know through that everything that I've learned um, I just don't think that given the time that's passed you know the short time even that without my knowledge and uh, the support of my community and family and friends, lifestyle and environment, you know, that I wouldn't have made it, you know, it was starting to manifest itself physically and emotionally and nothing made sense because I do. Like, my name is Karen and I want to speak to your manager, <laughs> but I live what I preach and so, you know, everything I was going through just didn't make sense physically which was also making me crazy. But anyways, so, you know, that just way TMI, but it's true, it works, you know, if you just apply the foundational principles and keep it simple. Thanks, Karen, appreciate that. Thank you. 
Let's go with Josh. Uh, so I don't know if this will turn into a question, but it was a really interesting noticing that happened here, which I don't know if everybody caught when Carl was sharing and you said the, the have to, and that might've just been like language, right? In, in the moment. But I think it's really interesting how even for somebody like Carl, who is, you know, I could say like, you know, up there as far as experience and, and, and in life and also in fitness, how like is still processing this uh, live, literally, uh, this idea of, of moving towards, you could, I guess you could call it the, this like workout for workout sake uh, approach that, that you were speaking to, James, and how it's like a lifelong, potentially, process. Um, and I don't know if this is going to be a question so much, but I wonder what uh, your your thoughts are as coaches. Like, is our is our role? Is it just as simple as like is our role? to just continually set the example for and be, maybe the answer is as simple as yes. Uh, to just be an example for our clients in that sense and like always, like James, be like, hmm, like, like little poke, you know, that's interesting, Carl, but like actually, what do you mean by that? I'll respond to, I'll respond to what you said, um, I forgot how you put it, the, the have to thing. Um, yeah, no, it, it wasn't just language that came out, it was, uh, it's something that I've thought about a lot, right? So um, I won't use I won't use a term that we're all used to hearing, but I'll, I'll use a different uh, a different thought that's kind of in line with that. It's like we don't we don't forget to we don't forget to feed our bellies when we wake up, right? Um, like that's how fitness now is for me, right? Where it's just like it's just something that I have to do. That's it, right? It's just like eating. Breakfast. Yeah, the breakfast thing, right? Like uh, fitness for breakfast, right? Or or make fitness like brushing your teeth if you you know actually do those types of things. But um, yeah, it was so it was it was very intentional that the language on on have to, um, and you know it's like I, I think we're always processing, and you know I'm definitely I'm I'm gonna feel a totally different way, maybe not a totally different way, but I'm gonna have different feelings around the things that I have feelings around now when I'm 46. 100%, right? Not only in fitness, but in just life and like the point of it and the reason and all of that. And as that shifts, like I said, like everything else will shift as well, right? It's like, I've changed my mind. You know, I know I mentioned it when James talked about the um, spiritual and uh, cognitive growth that comes after a certain age. It's like, you know, as, as I've gone through those phases, I've changed my mind on app, like everything, right? Like there's a downstream effect everywhere, right? Like when you have children, that changes your mind on everything, the way that you view the, the entire world. Um, so yeah, just, just wanted to kind of like put that on. Like, yeah, I, I, I intentionally wanted to use that language. Um, and it's because, uh, of that idea of like, I, I, I do have to do it and you know, I will still have to do it in 10 years, but I think the reason why I have to do it is probably going to be a little bit different or more refined in 10 years. I don't know if you, if you guys have anything on the, is, is it okay? I'll jump in for a minute on that one and where I sit there. I mean, I think first of all, uh, it's not our role as coaches to tell clients whether their goals are right or wrong. Uh, at the end of the day, that's an individual decision that someone has to decide for themselves. But I do think it is our job to help them understand whether their like, you know, very obvious fitness goal is connected to what they're, what they're saying they value in life. So if James came to me and said he wanted to be the fittest man on earth, but he also wanted to be able to hike a mountain at 90 years old, I'd probably tell him that those goals weren't aligned and uh, we may have some work and conversation to do there. So I think that's number one. And then number two for me would be, uh, do I wanna work with that person on that fitness goal, right? Carl talks about it a lot, uh, this idea of your coaching North Star. What do you believe as a fitness uh, coach that you want all of your clients to work towards? And if this idea of vitality that we've been talking about, this idea of living a larger life is that, then it might not make sense for you to work with a client who wants to prepare for a bodybuilding show or something like that. So yeah, that would be my two cents there. Uh, you kind of went back and forth there. Um that uh, I disagree that uh, I think it's our responsibility to tell someone when they're wrong on their goals. 
there's no one else out there that are probably going to be able to tell them, listen, you're being illogical, and that's not right. Um, <laughs> if I was to be your coach, I'd tell you that jiu-jitsu is illogical, and it's going to make you less of a vital human for oh, no, the next 40 years That's of what life. I said. If you, if you said you wanted to be vital. I know, but I would tell you that. No, I, I said I would say that. I would no, you didn't. You said it, it's not your goal as a coach. Did you hear what she said? It's not. You, you, you should not tell them if they're right or wrong. If I'm not going to make the decision if they're what they value, what they think is important aligns with their goal. Like if, if being fittest on earth is truly what they define as living a larger life, I'm not going to make that decision for them. But if it's something else, right? If it is being able to play with my kids, hike a mountain at 90, do all of these things that, again, we would think connect to living a larger life, yet they come to me and they say, I want to prep for this jujitsu tournament, which, yeah, heck yeah, that's not connected to vitality. Uh, I would absolutely challenge them on that. Does that make sense? It, it, well, yeah. Yeah, it does now. I'm just saying, it's not what you said. Uh, you said, uh, no, no, I'm just being honest. Uh, you said it's not your goal as a coach to tell someone if they're right or wrong, right, with regards to their goals. Is that correct? Yeah, okay. Oh, it wasn't exactly as that? Okay, we'll back the tape up. <laughs> Jacob's, Jacob's in control there. Anyways, Watch uh, it, Jacob. I think we're, we're probably saying the same thing, but uh, I think it's your responsibility. So if you're like, well, I don't, I don't know if I have... Uh, I don't know if I have uh, the opinion, the competency, the experience, the education, or whatever. Uh, you got to trust your gut instinct. You just got to say things like getting punched in the face five times a week. How good is that for reproduction? That's simply, that's simply where you go, right? How good is that to be a role model when you're 60, right? Um, if you don't have that, do your research, right? Talk to people who are 55, who've had 35 years of fighting experience. Right? You want to hear those stories? I'll tell you some of those stories. It's pain relievers. Yeah, that's reality. How about uh, football players? Let's, let's eke into it, right? Let's get really uncomfortable. So th this is where it becomes serious, right? So I want, I want coaches out there to have the balls and ovaries to meet with a parent or a child who's in that position to say, that's not logical. That's not good for you physically. So and I think, you see what I just said there, that I'm telling them that's wrong. So maybe that has, will, will disappoint you, um, or maybe it'll inspire you to have, be brave enough to think, think about that, right? Lo be logical on that concept, right? Don't be emotional, and uh, that can get. So to, the have-to thing, um, this is how you decide what Carl meant on it, right? Because he, he knows what he means on it, but this is how you decide. Put it this way, exercise because you can, or exercise because you have to. What does that sound like? Do you see the differences there? Exercise because you have to, or exercise because you can? That's the dividing lines the way I see it. Exercise because you can, exercise because you're capable. Exercise because it's for you. And you've heard me say it you know, so many times outside of that. Anything else besides that, you're gonna trigger me. Because that, that and just to use a coin term today, based upon it. So that's how, not how Carl decides or you decide, that's how all of you decide, right? How about that language, have to, what does that mean? Well, Carl, Carl whatever he wants to mean, basically, but this is how I see it. I'll be the mediator. Um, <laughs> the mediator of me. <laughs> no love The mediator. <laughs> oh, no. I, th I think you guys were saying the same thing. I think Georgia I think so. was saying, uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't wanna put words in your mouth. I think you were saying, um, you, it's not your job to change someone's goals or decide their goals. Um, this is where you brought up the idea of having a coaching North Star. And if uh, you did challenge their goals um, and that wasn't the client that you want to work with and that's not the client that inspires you, you simply wouldn't work with them. Correct. But the idea wasn't to change them, but you would challenge, you I, would challenge that goal. Yeah. Yeah. So like aesthetics, getting leaner. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Does anyone have anything else? Yes, I, I love Monica. Um, but I think what I've been hearing across the board with all of you is that there was a shift in um, the feelings of worth and um, going from how you all derived self-worth from external factors to 
um, like when you were younger, doing it for other reasons, to now like a, a higher level of maturity that you're doing it for something that's sustainable for life. And hearing you guys talk about um, letting go of the training wheels kind of like makes me think about um, teaching kids to ride a bike. And I have several children. Um, and so my parenting practices have kind of evolved the same way that like you are when you're younger and you don't necessarily do things exactly the right way. So I put all of my original firstborn children on a bike with training wheels, um, thinking that's the way to teach them how to ride a bike. And um, that was a very slow process. It was like getting them to eventually learn how to ride a bike was super challenging because at some point you have to take off the training wheels and you have to run with them at this point and you're in this really uncomfortable position and you're down low and you're like trying to keep them from falling but you want to like let them go free. So there's this um, just a, a difficulty to detach yourself from those training wheels because you're so connected to them. Um, and it wasn't until later that I had a child and discovered the balance bike. And the balance bike has no training wheels. If you don't, aren't familiar with it, you just kind of put them on it and they figure it out. They use their legs and they um, eventually learn the balance that's required to ride a bike that you don't really even need to hold on to them anymore when you actually put them on a bike with wheels. The balance bike doesn't have wheels, it's just balance. They kind of use their feet and push off and coast. Um, but I really felt that like teaching them to um, ride a bike with a balance bike was so much, not necessarily easier, but autonomous for them. Um, so that later on that they were able to kind of realize that they had the ability all on their own and didn't really need me to hold the bike for them. And I just kind of felt like it was really rewarding for the child as well as for me as the parent to see that that was kind of an easier way to teach them how to ride a bike was by letting them have the balance. And so I think what I'm hearing you guys say is that fitness and health um, is, about, is about balance and not so much intensity. And, um, and so I guess it's really an observation, um, but something that I noticed is like, I think what everybody is saying is this importance to let go of the training wheels, but how about never even start them to begin with? Gosh, that was, can I go really quick? And then I'll, yeah. that, it was so good that you, because when you were walking through the example of the training wheels, I was thinking about that. Um, I was like, oh, what about the Strider? It's called the Strider, right? The balance bike. I'm like, yeah, why didn't you use the Strider? with? And then you told the story of like, oh, and then I use it. And that was like the same, uh, I had the same experience, like kid number one, it was like kid seven years old. And it's like, dude, you can't ride a bike yet. And then we have like a three-year-old just like riding a two-wheeler, never touch training wheels because of the strider. But what that made me think of was the idea that we've talked about for a very, very long time in challenge and support, right? Like when we have people that we're working with, we always have to balance that challenge and support. Um, if it's just support, support, support with no challenges, no growth occurring there. So it's like the training wheels. It's like what happens... I don't know if anyone has ever had a kid that rides a training that rides training wheels. It's like what happens? There's no challenge, right? You just pedal, and uh, usually the, the training wheels are really cheap, and they're leaning to one side, and they're still like just rolling, but they're not falling, right? And there's no challenge there, so learning never occurs because there's no challenge. And then you take the training wheels off, and you're frustrated because you're just like you've been riding on these training wheels for two years. Why can't you ride the bike? And the kid should just look at you and just be like, because you haven't challenged me over the last two years. You just put me on this damn thing and I just had to pedal my feet, right? So that when you, when you were kind of speaking through that, I was just thinking about the, uh, the synergies between the idea of challenge and support because the strider, uh, the challenge is when they lift their feet off the ground, now they're challenged, they have to balance, right? And then where's the support? The support's really easy. They just put their feet right back down onto the ground and do that deal, right? So, gosh, I'm going to use that because that was so good. So th thanks for that. Yep, said the same thing from a different voice in a different way. Uh, I think that was magical. Like, that was a re really great extraction, not only just to be able to see amongst the entire group what you're pulling out, the lessons that other coaches can learn, but uh, it, changes, it changes my mind right away. Like, I'm not going to use training wheels, <laughs> you know? Because, and I didn't even think about it, but uh, I appreciate you bringing it up to make me see it that way. Um, just because, the, you know, the, the overthinker on it, I have to mention that point. I think using, like, we used nutrition earlier 
and uh, the training wheels for young kids learning how to ride a bike. We, we probably shouldn't always use those as examples, as parallels to uh, people learning fitness and becoming autonomous. Uh, we forget largely, and this is Thomas Sowell coming through now, in regards to the generational differences amongst all people and how they need to be treated relative to that particular area of life, right? The developmental process. Uh, meaning, like, you know, for someone who's 30, you know, even use the analogy of the strider or something with regards to that, um, we got to remember that, you know, adults probably have the capacity and the capabilities, and there's something else that's got nothing to do with all those things that are preventing them that could actually, like, the next day turn them into free people, right? So you can't use those other examples of, like, well, maybe it'll take six months, and maybe, no, actually, it just could be a conversation. So that we get, we got to remember, right, that people along the way um, need to be treated differently. But, again, thank you for, uh, for that. That was wonderful. Would you have gotten up if I never, like, uh, asked you, man, geez. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, Monica. Monica asked a lot of cool, good questions. Jeez, good yeah, questions. Really yeah, good. she's she's great. I know you're going to add something. I don't know. I feel it. Not next year. I want to go to the thing you guys started this conversation with was something you changed your mind about. And I was sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, oh, my God, I changed my mind about hundreds of things. But the thing I most recently changed my mind about was just the need for scaffolding and support and instructions and you know a, a, a playlist or like you know a script or like having a system to follow right doing things the way the right way and just realizing that what I actually needed was to be challenged and being challenged to to rise to the challenge and kind of own my own experience and my own philosophy and my own way of doing life and maybe there is no example of that that exists, that there's no plan that I can follow, right? And, you know, I feel like in each, in, their, in your own way, that's kind of what each of you were talking about in a different context, right? So it's, that's like the universal theme, but that's been my big change in life over the last few months. James is part of that, challenging me. And um, the, there's a, a little story that, connects to what Monica was talking about, about the bike, that kind of brings this full circle that right as I was making this um, kind of like resolution or a change in my life, um, my five-year-old learned to ride his bike. So he'd had a bike with training wheels and a strider for years, and he still wasn't riding a bike. He'd just go between one or the other. Now he knows to pedal, now he knows how to balance, but he couldn't put it together until we brought him over to our, you know, we have an organic farm down the road. My buddy, farmer Matt, Foothills Farm, that's a shout out. Um, <laughs> uh, and his little daughters, who's one of, one of them's a year older than my son, one's a year younger, so they're like his cohort, right? Um, they're riding in circles around him. And they're like, come on, Nathan, why can't you ride a bike? You know, they're like making fun of him. So he got on that bike and he rode. And when he fell down, he got up and rode again. I have to look tough in front of the girls, right? And now he won't stop riding his bike. He wants to ride his bike every day. So that was like the perfect lesson for like what he actually needed was just the challenge. That's it. That's all I got. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, just in case. I mean, it's, it's happened twice with Karen as well. Um, I, I love those. I welcome, mm -hmm. you know, just you don't have to come up and ask a question. Just kind of share some ideas. People will learn from that, and I really enjoy that. So thanks. Uh, Nick. Uh, uh. <laughs> the question was, where have you been challenged and who has challenged you to push past those lower order goals, uh, etc.? Yeah. Um, more recently, it's been my wife and my children. Um, I have lots of time uh, uh, to be present as a father and a, and a husband over the past number of years, and uh, to read as well. And I lost a number of mentors, ironically, around the same time, those people that would challenge me with thought, uh, Bernie, my shaman, um, Manfred, um, and my mother. And uh, then it took a period of time where I uh, realized that I was very lucky enough to have the skills, I think, where I was like, I have to challenge myself. Like, there's no one else that's going to help me. 
you know, I'm, I'm on my own. But I, and I felt really good, capable of doing it. And as tough as I thought I was on that, I recognized that I wasn't gonna learn or become better as a person over time if I didn't actually look and see who I thought that were subordinate to me around me are actually my biggest, uh, the biggest people that are gonna challenge me for the rest of my life, and that's my children and my, my wife. My husband Jacob is the one that challenges me to slow down and embrace the easy and the comfortable. So that was easy. Mm, um, yeah, the, the world. Yeah, the world just challenges me right now. I mean, there's a, I mean, this has been, gosh, years and years, but um, yeah, as you grow up and, and you become a, a real life adult and um, you, hear ideas, um, you read the news, um, you raise a family, right? You do all those things. It's, uh, you have to, you have to think about right and wrong. You have to think about good and bad. You have to think about, um, what matters and what doesn't. So, uh, yeah, just the world and, and, uh, you know, coming to your own conclusion on, you know, issues and, uh, things that you see, ideas that you hear and all of that. So that's a daily challenge, right? Reading something new, um, getting a new idea downloaded into your brain and how you process that new idea and not just taking it at face value and being like, you know, this is the way I should feel about this thing, but actually thinking about it. Um, so yeah, just like ideas challenge me a lot whenever I hear something I've never heard before. Uh, that challenged me a ton. Um, and then me personally, it's uh, a lot of faith, faith-based stuff uh, really challenges me as well. Uh, it's like staying true to, you know, my like deep-rooted beliefs and, and all of that. So yeah, I'd say the world and, and my faith are two things that really, really challenge me. Gosh, I feel like there's not much left after that. All of the above. This is for you, I though. would say. Yeah, this is for you. <laughs> no, if I'm, there's carryover. Very, yeah, very yeah. much carryover. Um, I didn't really quite know how to put that into words uh, the way you did, Carl. I think the world is a great uh, way to say that because I feel like there's something intrinsic that happens when you see what's going on around you and you see the actions of others and you have those moments of self-reflection and, and there is something inside for me that says I, I want to I bring my best and, and how do I do that? So that's there. I think a lot of it's been inspired by... Uh, close mentors in my life, my very best friend, who's also uh, a minister and who happens, to, I'm very lucky she's going to marry me in a few, in a few weeks, um, has been a huge influence on my life and someone who's really challenged me along the way. Carl is uh, my coach and friend and has challenged me for the last several years. Uh, my fiance does the same and just, yeah, family, I think, has been the, those, all of the above. Ooh, deep question, Nick. Get to know our hosts and a sneak peek behind the scenes of the Live A Larger Life show when you follow us on Instagram at Live A Larger Life. We look forward to chatting with you there. Um, good question is, uh, how do, the best way to be a role model with all the knowledge and experience that, well, I'll speak for me personally, that I've you know, gained from CCP over the last year and then coming to this weekend and then being around like-minded people and having a coach uh, that's like in the the methodology, so to speak, without coming across as like, my way is the best way, it's the OPEX way or no other way, and wanting to share the great things that I've learned and that I've known to be true without being like, well, this is just wrong, or seeing perhaps someone's program design or seeing somebody do exercise where you might be like, oh, I used to do that way, they don't know any better. So navigating that in a way that will um, I guess help us collaborate more and share and kind of be that real role model like Melissa had shared in her presentation instead of just thinking like, well, because they use, I won't say the brand, but because they use that form of exercise, their words and our exercise is better. I find myself, as a coach, I fall into that trap a lot. Um, so I guess it's that delicate balance between trusting and knowing where your principles come from and wanting to share that with people, but also not coming across as like, this is the way and the only way, if that makes sense. But the OPEX way is the only way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> That's it, so. <laughs> full stop. No, I, I, full, I really believe that when I say it. Um, and, and that, you know, what does OPEX way mean? Well, you know, that could be team explaining, but 
I think the, yeah, I think the question has to be asked on top of itself, like, why do you feel, why do you feel that you don't believe in that way? That's the, that's the question that I would have back, right? So, because if you're like, well, I don't want to come off as being like, I know what the right way is, but we'll, you know what I'm saying? What is the way? We know what the way is. You see, the, and it's the principles of that, which is move every day, eat real food, and learn and adapt. Of course, that can get filtered into individualization and make it work for everyone else, but you know what I'm saying? And uh, I just want to challenge the notion uh, for you personally, because I only know a tiny bit from our couple of minutes together in the office that um, there, there, you know, all the stuff that you're doing, um, uh, sport coach, uh, group classes, uh, personal training and, and remote coaching, yeah. right? There's principles in all of that, that you can make it Austin's way. You see that? So I, you can, you got someone close at hand. Sam, is he your coach? No. Yeah. Um, Sam and I discussed this, right? Uh, if you don't mind, Sam, yeah? Um, you know, Sam's, you know, next evolution of growth period is to gain confidence in saying, this is Sam's way. Do you see that? That's, and, and what does that take? That takes balls, right? But if you scrape it, your program is the same as his. That's the thing, it's, it's all, but you see, you have to say, this is my way. Yeah, and then if I was to like sit back and watch it all, you know, it's the OPEX way. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's all, you're all giving someone the, the road to autonomy in individual design or a little like bump after group class or whatever, but it's all Austin's touch on the right way. Does that make sense? I don't want to go deep on that, but if you don't know, the OPEX way is a collection of 100 years of giants in the industry, yeah. right? I just put it in a language that other people could... Exactly. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, man, just, uh, so that would be, if anything, it'd be a, like a next step for you. Uh, you start, you start writing, uh, like this is the journey from, you know, um, the, the technician into the craftsman, right? When the craftsman, you always all remember the story. When you become the craftsman, you start answering the question with, this is, this is Michael Valerius's program, right? Do you see that? You start taking ownership for it. This is my way. So do you see how that can come off? Uh, we're like, oh, geez, I don't want to make it seem like there's one way to do it. But you do believe that there is one way to do it, your way. Do you see that? And then if you stand back from it, it's, it's all great principles. Yeah, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, so get over the fear of caring what people think about what is the right way because there is a right way. It's called the OPEX way, but you call it Austin's way. <laughs> Can I add to that, James? And I would, I would just say that obviously, we, I mean, Carl talks about this a lot on uh, any of the weekly calls, but um, just think about in your own life experiences where you have seen something that is working or not working and asked questions and wanted to know more. And so just you being a testimony of your way will attract, you know, those questions to you. I think that's the most powerful thing we can all do is just live by example. Yeah. Remember what I said we were going to have to sit down with Sam? Yeah. Yep, the philosophical conversation, here it is. Um, on her point, you can't, uh, you have to remember to look on our own personal actions to dictate then what we mean by Austin's way. So if Austin believes in a particular uh, OPEX way, let's say, and the concepts, the things we speak about, right? Sounds rainbow and butterflies uh, kind of concept. Um, but yet you're being coached for CrossFit competition, right? Do you see how now it's, the rub is going to be there? Because clients, whether you know it or not, are watching. Are, they want to know, well, what gives you the opportunity to physically sacrifice yourself like that, yet at the same time speak about physical freedom? Okay, so you're, you will always come back to be faced with, to your point, what you just said, what you really believe in. And if you want to then say that to clients, back to George's point, right, where it's like, and Josh's quick question, um, hey, if you want to compete in CrossFit, good, right? But you can't actually be convicted in saying that that's healthy for them.
yeah, so you're just gonna you're just gonna have to meander through that road as you go down that path of like, well, what do I do? Anyways, if that's just a reflection on making sure our actions and what we really believe in is aligned with what we want to teach people, does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, and it, it it seems like it seems so trite, right, for me to pick on that point, but I'm telling you, for and I'm telling all the Austins out there in that position, that's gonna come back to haunt you, because you're being dishonest with your clients. I'm not speaking to you when I say that, but the person is being dishonest with their clients, right? Because you don't believe in vitality. Do you see that? If you're, if you're participating in the sport knowingly, and you're like, oh, I know, I know it's not connected to vitality, you shouldn't be coaching people in vitality. You don't deserve to coach people in vitality. Is that hard to hear? If it's di- I'm sorry if it's difficult to hear, but you know, take it from me. I, I pushed a whole bunch of people through. Oh, this is CrossFit. Let's fucking try this out. Wow, you're not getting healthier. Do you see that? And then you come, you come back and be like, oh, geez, well, maybe I need to change up you know, my, my repertoire of things. So anyways, when I'm speaking to you, Austin, too, because I appreciate you standing up there and asking a question. It's very vulnerable for you. But hey, man, we talked about it a couple days ago. I knew it was going to happen. But there's going to come that point where the autonomy aspect or what you want for people, um, gone are those days where uh, you could put on the, uh, the quote-unquote you know, Superman physical sacrifice suit and then just jump into like, well, this is healthy. It's not going to work anymore. <laughs> what do you say? Did you just lose Sam a client? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, we are at... 4.05. I think they're going to come slam it in here and kick us out um, any second now. We're supposed to be out of here by 4. Re-slam. Um, let's, let's wrap it up there. Do you guys have anything that you want to close with? James looks like he wants to go all day. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for bearing with us for an hour and a half. And the commentary and questions. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on this episode. If you're on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and join us in the comments below.